Welcome to Feel Good Sports. Jen, we have not a new world champion, T20 Women's World Champion. The final was over the weekend. Before we get into the winners, though, massive semi-finals drama. Oh, women's cricket delivered the last four or five days. I couldn't have been happier. And in fact, I'm having a bit of post-tour blues. Bit of, bit on a bit on a downer because I don't have the stuff to watch. So semi-final number one was Australia versus India, and I was worried going into this because I feel like India at semi-final type level. Uh, more dangerous in a sense because the pressure maybe doesn't get to them as much. Australia, brilliant, um, setting, you know, 172, only four down, happy days. It's a fair total. India, three down early. I was ready to go to bed. I'd called it. I was like, meh. I was the same. I told myself I would stay up and watch this, but is it going to get there? Is it going to be interesting? And then far out. Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of things. Lanning's last over where she hit a six off the first ball and a six off the last. Just, it's funny what little momentum you can take through. So, super happy to see Meg just bosh those. And then India, as I said, three down. So, Verma was out for nine, Mandana for two, and Bardia for four. It was like, meh, you guys are, I think you cooked. And then it was Rodrigues and Cor, 43 and 52 respectively, that actually turned the game completely so far around that it was India's game to lose. They had it. Yeah, and Rodrigues and Cor are not the players you would have expected going into the tournament to make that difference. They've, they've both kind of struggled with form a little bit, lower strike rates coming up to the World Cup. Rodrigues was so impactful. and She was, I think, 24 <laughs> balls she faced for her 43 runs. It was the way she did it too, the way she set about just really quality drives through the gap. They were proper cricket shots just with force. And at that halfway break, I think they were on 100 already. So whereas Australia was slower at the halftime break at the 10 over and then picked up and scored 100 off the back 10, India did it the other way. So they'd got in front of the run rate so well and they had wickets in hand at that point. The game-changing moment for me, obviously Rodrigues getting out, that helps <laughs> massively, but core, it was the run out. And you couldn't have, correct me, you're good with words, is it antithesis? Where Ash Gardner sprints around the boundary, desperation, dive, pick up, jumps to her feet, super quick, nails the throw back in. There was no cruising whatsoever. It was desperation stuff. The throw is fantastic straight back over the top to Healy, who then also with intent catches it, smacks the bales off. That's the Australian part of it. The yeah. antithesis is then Harman Precore jogging through for the first and coming back nowhere near quick enough. There was no reason for her to only be arriving at the point of time the ball was. She sprints three steps earlier She's past the stumps and safe and we're in a different story. I just don't know why she chose that moment to conserve her energy. I know she came off being sick and her credit was great for getting into a winning position, but she had them in the winning position and she opened the door for Australia and said, come on in. And they did. It looked like she had no idea where she was. It kind of looked like she only realised as that throw was coming into Healy that she was nowhere near her ground. Yeah, I reckon you bang on really poor game awareness of understanding where she is. And that, again, could be the illness that she'd had leading into it from what I heard. She was not a well cookie. There was some reporting the day before that even just hours before the game that 
Harmanpreet wasn't going to play mm. because she was so unwell. I suppose she's clearly rallied herself, but she spent quite a decent whack of that first innings off the ground having fluids. And yeah. So obviously not well. Um, you just sort of look back at it and you just think no doubt in her brain, as tired as she must have been or as unwell as she must have been, she's probably like, she's why didn't I just, why didn't I just run a one metre quicker and then I can stop and breathe and I can take a minute if I need to. Yeah to buy me back this time because right now it's going to live in regret of that was a moment that's now cost in the end it's turned out to be the most impactful moment in the game and changed the course of the game so in that in many ways I know her back got stuck but I still don't think even with the back getting stuck that that was the big difference because she shouldn't have been sliding the bat straight down beside her foot that's not what you do you reach out it gains you she was clearly the of the bat physically fatigued yeah like nobody's and the brain. business also on her partner because your partner running as soon as like if i if i imagine i'm running with her and i can see that it's not coming my end i'm screaming out to her your end you've got to have urgency to pass on the message yeah it's coming your way her game awareness is so not both, the only maybe a bit of both game awareness yeah but a thriller and then Elise Perry, that dive on the boundary, again, talk about desperation and not giving up and fighting. Horizontal, it got the nice bounce that gave the height that came up and she just slaps it back into place. Instead of that going for four, it goes for two. There's enough for Australia to defend and they do. And it was an incredible semi-final. It delivered in spades. Great cricket that we got to watch and obviously a result that we're happy with because Australia were through. Um, and, and with the chance to do the three-peat. So that was the first semi-final. This is the thing that I've really enjoyed about Australia and India playing lately in the series at the end of last year as well as with this semi-final is you can see how close India are. All you need is a couple of those WPL seasons under their belt and the depth of that squad is going to match the depth of the Australian squad. Then we don't have an assumption that a three-peat is an easy thing, right? Mm-hmm. We then had England and South Africa. And I'll be honest, I had written South Africa off from the very beginning of this oh, tournament. I did I've, not think they'd be able to have the strength at home to get as far as they did. If you go back to the first episode of us talking about this World Cup after those that first ra- little round of games, I think I literally said we're not expecting anything from South Africa at this stage. I still stand. And I yeah. chew those words <laughs> as I swallow them. With a great deal of probably uh, gladness, actually, in the end. I was incredibly unjustifiably proud of South Africa's efforts as as a host side and as a team who have... They're coming into a tournament having lost some of the greatest South African female players yeah. just in the last couple of years. Yeah, no Lizelle Lee, no Mignon Dupree and no Dane Vanderkirk taking up a lot of the airspace leading in. England have looked really strong, much like Australia. They've almost yeah, coasted, so, right, into the semis. Yeah. England looked like their, their tournament was easy. They had the 200 record, where, you know, the score, they went over 200. It was all pretty easy. They probably really didn't get challenged. And then South Africa just came out with the bat and competed hard and they put England under pressure and you saw England break. In, in the second innings... By the time Tasman Brits took her fourth catch, yeah. I was – something in my brain was just like, what is going on? Just how? How can you make 70 runs 
and then come out and take all four of the first four wickets to go. The catch and off And some Capsie? of those catches. Oh, my Lord. Put that, that on repeat. Superwoman yes. catch. Gosh darn. She, I said this to you before we Gosh started. Darn. She looks Amazonian in her physicality, right? She's so built. She's so fast. She's so athletic. And for such a tall, strong woman, she is very fast. And her shots look, looked incredible in that first in- innings as well. Like oh. you could just take photos of half those shots and frame them because she looked on fire. When they made the 164, four down 164, and you could see – Obviously, there's a lot of passion and no one likes where there's errors and things going, but you could see Catherine Siverbrunt getting frustrated, really frustrated because she, she just wants it so bad. But I still think but she the was, perception of some of her behaviour, rightly so, has commented on, I've gone, yeah, it's a little bit much though, mate. Like you're putting people under a lot of pressure. You know, she always had the best celebrations, but now she's almost more known for her blow-ups. Yeah. And I hate that for her because – I've always loved watching Catherine Brunt play. Because she is so dynamic and she's so intense so you and she saw, wears her emotions. I just thought you saw England get a bit flustered. Yeah. And South Africa go, 164, guess what? We're not considered batting our strength. Bowling's our strength. Yeah. Again, they had the same thing of of Australia in the sense that they just refused to panic and they just played it. They go, this game's going to go all the way down to the wire and we're going to hang in here. And the crowd, they brought the crowd in because of their fighting capabilities. And I'll give this something of thought because I said at the start that I just wasn't sure of, about Sune Luce as a skipper. Did she let the game flow too much and not act on it? I still think it's almost like she's not a skipper in the traditional sense. So she goes out and does the toss. She's a good speaker, obviously good at building relationships. And the reason I say she must be good at building relationships is she fields on the boundary. I noticed that. So she must have incredible trust in her bowler to be sure of their plans, how they're going to execute and to set the field and to have it because she's out on the boundary. And it's not like she wastes a lot of time coming in to speak to them every ball. She very much is just there going. So I thought maybe traditionally it's the different role of the captain, but it worked for them, didn't it? I noticed as well Chloe Tryon on occasion coming up to chat with with the bowler and kind of have a chat about field settings and stuff. We've seen this with Australia as well in the last few years with Elise Perry kind of taking that role of coming over to chat with the bowler occasionally. You get the sense that there's kind of, you know, some delegation and some load sharing in that leadership group. Absolute trust that the preparation has been done and that people are clear on their roles and will go about and attempt to execute and you can see that in her language around the game as well on multiple occasions she said I believe we have the best bowling side in the world and she was clearly backing them on the field and you know what well done it worked I agree like Ishmael well done for her for getting the you know the quickest bowling record I know it's something that's been driving her for the last four or five years is to be like I might be this tiny petite little whippet looking person but I am driven yeah. to bowl elite fast for a female. She's doing it. And it, it's, it's changing. Is fast, man. It got Capsie out. She's now the leading wicket taker in T20 World Cups. There you go. She's eclipsed Anya Shrubsole. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I think they just seemed to have a really settled team. They looked comfortable with each other. So there was a lot that I actually went within, what is it, two weeks or three weeks? They really changed built. me. And they I, built that whole way, to, right? Started to feel a bit of... I'm here for you. Shabnam Ismail bolted in, bowled that last ball, and as soon as she realised it was 
game over. She just collapsed to the pitch, <laughs> just straight down, head in her hands, her teammates converging on her and everyone crying. And there was a lot of a lot of head in hands, a lot of players with hands on the pitch kind of giving thanks and stuff like that. Yeah, really grounding themselves in their, their It was a clear moment. moment of going, this has changed everything for us. Because yeah. they've never done this before. They've never gotten so here before. So it's the first ever South African side, male or female, to make it into a World Cup final. It's, it's massive. And it at was home, the first time out. they've sold out a women's cricket game in South Africa, that final. So the, 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 the community came along with the ride and watching the crowd was just incredible. So... England go packing once again and have to go back and look again. And it's just been the story for England for the last four or five years. They have some of the best players Mm -hmm. in the world. They have the best T20 cricket, female cricket player in the world. They have the best T20 bowler in the world, T20 and ODI bowler in the world. What is going on, England? Yeah, and the thing for me is that, as I sort of started to mention, there's this little bit of unlikableness has crept into them and I, I can't put my finger on I it. I feel that. But but I feel it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. With England, you're right. There is something that is unlikable about the way they go about it's things. It's not massive, is it? It's just amongst the fandom that we have, there's something that, yeah, I, I don't have the words for it, but I just realised that they don't, I'm a bit like, oh, I don't like watching you play at the moment. I think it's funny, right, because – I actually would I would say that Australia, in the way we build athletes, we build a certain amount of arrogance into athletes in Australia. Confidence bordering on arrogance. Absolutely. I think that's really normal for an Australian athlete to kind of have, have an air about them. I feel like I see that in the English team, but it isn't kind of – it's not balanced with kind of the, the banter and jovialness. I don't – I don't see a kind of a generosity of spirit. Yet we both love the 100. Yeah, love the 100. I think it's a cultural thing in the national side that maybe that's not how they're they're feeling internally, but I feel like that's how it's coming over. The perception comes across. Yeah, so they they go back to have to to look again because they've got the funding, they're putting things in place, they've got the 100, and And yet again... They moved through the tournament with ease. Yeah. Yeah, it was going really well. We had a discussion last week on the podcast. I think you said that this World Cup hasn't felt exciting the way the T- the 2022 one, the 2021. Mm. Oh, my gosh. The, 20, yeah, the <laughs> one out. in 2020. The 2020 World Cup felt electric. And this one, it kind of rolled on. We've seen great performances from from some of the smaller cricketing nations. And we've been excited about those things. The semifinals lit up the finals those two semi-finals were incredible to watch moving on to the final though a sold out crowd there are south african sporting royalty everywhere Springboks were there you had faf duplicy so you had ex you know south african cricketers and not just in the same way as sometimes you see other sports people come and support teams dancing singing actually generating noise or getting yeah. people to come along and cheer. It was that to me. I think I messaged you during the final. We might have talked about it afterwards where I was like, there was a point in time where I actually was like, I am 100% okay if South Africa win this because this is landscape changing. I 
felt similarly. And yeah, I thought Australia, I thought South Africa did really well in the bowling innings in that Australia set a total that was a defendable total, but they didn't bat South Africa out of the final. So I thought that it was at an interesting point at halfway. Beth Mooney scratched around even her own stuff post-game. She's like apparently sent a message to the to people that bring out the drinks and stuff saying, ask Shelley if she wants to retire me. It's okay. I'm not going well. I understand it basically. Apparently that message didn't go to Shelley Nitschke. Has anyone ever retired it, we will out start of to a see final? It. We will start. No one, you don't retire people out of cricket, but you actually can. So you you, you could. Yeah, I've only seen coaches, it in warm-up matches. As a coach's thing, you could be like, Elena, you're just, you're battling hard here. Brutal. I'll have you we're, know, we're I'm pulling fireworks. <laughs> because we want fireworks <laughs> from Ash Gardner, who's blind. But even Australia, you know, they changed their batting order up. They sensed, I sensed unsurety. I, Michael has heard a lot about this. And I texted you and I think you were asleep at the time. I don't know. <laughs> Not in our batting innings. Yeah. I don't remember falling asleep, but then I remember waking up and being like, oh, dang. <laughs> That's right. No, I, you you messaged straight away when I was like, are, are they seriously not putting Meg Lanning in at number three? Yes. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. <laughs> and I think I wrote back going, but it's her turn. <laughs> so I um, get what they were doing. I could understand it, I but it, it, it still too. seemed... Surely there's a reason they haven't done it before now. And it was inside the power play. Yes, to do Healy's with the power play. has gone for, what, 10? And you're kind of, you're bringing in It's to Ash do with Gardner. accessing the power play, yeah. That's fair enough. Then they went Grace Harris. Then they went Meg Lanning. Then they went Perry. Yeah. I think. And then they... And they didn't get big totals out of any of them. And the one that probably surprised me the most was the two ball will send wear them out. I was like... Surely T-Mac yeah. is going to take more off two balls than I, Wareham. I could not believe that Wareham was sent out. Oh. I was at that stage because um, Shabnam Ismail was so close to taking a hat-trick in a World Cup final. I was like, I don't care who you send out next. I'm backing Ismail for for a hat-trick. I want her to take that because... I want to see the celebration. I kind of... <laughs> maybe I was a bit sour because I I disagreed with some of those choices, but... Look, who am I to – like, I, I know nothing. No, but it, it showed that because we were having these conversations and we were invested that we were concerned that it wasn't enough runs. It didn't I feel like we'd batted them out of the game. that it wasn't enough runs. I did not feel like it was – I didn't feel like it was enough. And do you know what? If Tasman Brits had a less nervy day, it might not have been. Yes. The first 10 overs for South Africa with the bat in hand cost them. There were so many dot balls. So the dot balls face there. They just needed to be even another and 10 runs, Wolfart 12 runs Grits closer. just did not look like they were willing to run singles. They just weren't willing to the run singles. The risk-reward changed, didn't it, instead of that let's go, or maybe not. They were so busy preserving their, their wicket in, through the power play that they just chewed up balls that they couldn't afford. No, it put too much pressure on... What the finish was going to have to be. Credit for Vulvat for staying in there, but we know she takes a minute to settle. Well, while she was out there, once she started going, there was a chance and a hope for South Africa and the crowd knew it and, wow, that part of it got exciting. There was that five-over period where Vulvat started hitting it wherever she wanted. And those classic shots that people just get so like... Oh, the way... Straight drives. The way commentary talk about Laura Vulvat's cover drive is... Borderline pornographic. It's, <laughs> I was going to say it's bordering on erotica. It is. Absolutely it is. Just the way they <laughs> drool over. 
I get it. It looks good, but I mean, can we? Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a definite yes, please, and thank you. So they, she was, she brought the crowd into it, which immediately you, you sense that shift. That's that home crowd yeah. benefit, and they were really into it. Um, however, again, Australia with that many runs in the bank to defend after ten overs, they were able to just go. We're a very good bowling unit. We are an extremely good fielding unit. And I go back to my point of Elise Perry. It's Did they be clone her? Because she seemed to pick up every ball on the boundary rope. How? Just how? How? And it comes down to my point before. How is she us. so fast? She just, she's, she's not much younger than me. And just watching her makes me tired. <laughs> it's the desire and attitude to impact the game in the field that someone like Perry makes me super happy. I just see that and just go, wow, you know, even at this point. And then even as you felt that it was too far for South Africa, Australia still didn't let the foot up. They still like, you know, Beth Mooney sprinting around and doing a dive at the boundary as well. Every little bit mattered. They did not want to open the door. And I just felt that when once Wolvart got out, then the the crowd obviously were also a bit like, oh, dang, this is this has gotten a, a much hard challenge but for that period of time when she was going and the crowd started to believe I literally was like oh maybe for the best thing for women's cricket is is South for Africa South to win. Africa to win I felt that and game changing with out Africa. there with Tryon out there for a minute I was like if if they both go Imagine this what could this be incredible. Be. It, it was, and that was the thing. If they were to win, it was going to be incredible. And then Vulvat had, those, would have been had a couple of those beautiful sixes, and it was like, oh, it's going to happen. It is. You started to believe, and then I, I started, started to, to believe, I started and I wasn't even there in my head. The celebrations afterwards, and the inclusion and diversity in the community that was going to shift, and the celebration the next day of the of you know the the crowd and Cape Town just celebrating their team again the next day and the next day and the next day I was like this is it's this is the moment that Australia got to have. yeah <laughs> this is Australia in Melbourne all turning up the next day to crowd out and have all of the Aussie players with their sunnies on dusty as get celebrated again the day after I was like. Wow, this is going to be This could have been immense. amazing. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, and then Australia win. <sighs> Seriously, guys, but read the room. <laughs> no, we were stoked. Oh. Of course we were stoked. It just, again, the legacy of this era. So they went three-peat from 2010, 2012, 2014. Then, they, then West Indies won. And then Australia have gone 2018, 2020, 2023. And we go again next year in 2024. And you look at the photos. Elise Perry has been at every single T20 World Cup. <laughs> I think was it Susie Bates might be the other one. Yeah. And is it Ishmael? Susie Bates. Pictures of Susie Bates as a tiny little baby Bates. Baby oh Batesy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's so young. <laughs> it's crazy. We all know that Elise Perry looked like a baby when she started playing cricket. It was only probably Seeing two or three of- years ago did she stop looking like a 12-year-old. Well, maybe it's because she cut her hair and... I don't know. <laughs> and for her to maybe not have the role of like she dominated with the ball like she has previously, you know, one of the World Cups against She's Sophie Devine. It was her foot that saved the, the, 
the game for Australia because she stuck out the boot in her follow-through, yeah. kicked it to Lisa Slaker at mid-wicket and Australia win. So she's featured heavily in different versions of this and this time this is why there's it was this her desire almost, in the field. There's almost like a, a mythos around Elise Perry as a cricketer. There's something about her and her everywhereness, even when yeah. she's not performing with a bat, even when she's not performing with a ball, she's always affecting the game and it makes her so much larger than life. It's why, again, as coaches and fans, you go, please clone her because you just said it. She might not get the chance with the ball. She may not get the chance with the bat. But in the field, you unquestionably notice her impact. She's making runs by taking them straight off South Africa's bat. Yeah. So, Australia, well done. Celebrations looked good. I love when you see the photos of them just sitting on the pitch at what looks like 1am or 2am or midnight, whatever it is. Making really good choices about their lives. Just chatting. You know that they're just retelling ball by ball and then a little bit of info from here and a good laugh there. I don't know that. I've never won a cricket game. Yeah. Great times. I Like they're the moments, as I say, <laughs> post-tour blues. Like because even at me is now, I'm like, oh. So down. I just think women's cricket delivered. We've had a lot of emotions. World Cup, thank you. You said it. It lit up from the semi-final stage, and I couldn't have been happier. Those last three games were incredibly good value from an entertainment perspective. I'm really pleased for South Africa. Even losing that final, it's changed the landscape and the conversation around cricket in South Africa. Well done, guys. Loved that. One more game of cricket I want to speak about about women's cricket that lit up the weekend. The one that made everyone go grey. Mm-hmm. The WNCL final. Wowzers. Saturday night. Just <laughs> wow. Your face right now is it's, just very almost stressed trying to put it into words what's going on it's, here. It's folklore worthy. It is one that will be retold. And where were you at? And for the players watching it, you know, and the players playing in it, it will be – they'll never not retell it. You know, it's going to be brilliant. So the game itself went for forever because of the rain. So Tasmania hosting the WNCL final versus the South Australian Scorpions – it's a repeat of last year's final. They both played in it last year. Tassie won for their first time ever. Scorpions runners-up. So we've got a repeat. Great. Theatre's already there. Tassie with Elise Villani who scores 100. They look like they've done really well batting first. And Villani, what a vein of form she's in. 300s within the last 10 days or something crazy. And back-to-back 100s within finals because she stood up and got the, the 100 last year in the win. That's what put her on my radar. I had no idea who Elise Villani was until last year's win and she was just on all of the, the cricket sites and stuff. But and Tazzy, this is why. Yeah, so Tassie weather did not come to the party in many ways. It just Obviously. kept raining. And so the cricket kept stopping, go off, on, off, on, off. You get into the second innings and good old Duckworth Lewis Stern, the professors come into play because of all the rain changes. And for most of it, it was always Tassie in front. Every time they went off, Tassie in front. It felt a little bit flat. You're like, oh, they're going to win on because of rain. And then they get back on. And South Australia have a brilliant three or four over patch. Might not have even been that long. They get two front, two runs in front on the Duckworth-Lewis-Stern method. The rain comes, they go off. It's now South Australia's game. I was like, oh, my God. After leading for 90% of this, South Australia are going to win because if they don't get back on, they're in front. They win. But they didn't get back on. They did get back on. And even then, it was like, this is South Australia's game. They are in front. They only need, what was it? Four runs and they had five wickets in hand. Last over. Hello, Sarah Coit. Tony Collette. Hello, Tony. <laughs> have the ball. 
you are the best person possible to have the ball in this situation. And um, Sarah slash Tony did not miss. The over of her life, right? <laughs> Just what rewatched the last Carnage. over. <laughs> yeah, go and look at it. So it's wicket first ball. Brutal. Then a single. Then a wicket. And a wicket. It's three for one off the first four balls. It's just bonkers. The one that's the run out back off her hand. Yeah, we've actually talked about Coit and the deflection run outs and how she can do it looks for them. I do feel for South Australia because it's the, it's now the biggest choke in WNCL history. It's Queensland have sent them a basket of flowers and some booze and gone, thank you very much for taking that off us because we previously had the biggest choke. They played New South Wales in a game I was playing in. They needed, I think, four runs with three wickets in hand and we took three for one and won it. You know, they, And it wasn't the last over. They had plenty of time. So they were always – the owners of the biggest choke in those senses. So they're quite happy they're like Does that take some of the credit away from Sarah Coit standing up and having the over of her career? Oh, you can say it does, but in many ways the pressure obviously got to South Australia. Yeah. The cool thing was, was everything at the top of her mark that Sarah decided she was going to do, she did. Came off. And what it was just – I've watched it so many times because how can you not? But – even just, you know, the way they moved their field around. Um, we spoke to Elise Villani the next day on radio and she was like, we replayed all of the wickets and she thanked us for playing it because she was like, oh, it's such a blur, to be honest. Like mm. it was just an incredible never to happen again moment and it really was. So women's cricket went Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday night with absolute thrillers. I couldn't have Phenomenal. Been All of our friends think that we've we've died because we've just been stuck to our couches this whole time. <laughs> we've talked about Elise Villani's genius as a captain previously. It's clearly, clearly come off beautifully in the last two WNCL finals and this one particularly. What a thriller. Congratulations to Tasmania. Commiserations to South Australia. I don't know. Let's do it again next year, I guess. Tassie are the first team to go back-to-back outside of New South Wales and – only now with Victoria and New South Wales are, are the only state to have won the Ruth Preddy WNCL trophy multiple times. So they've gone from never having won it to back-to-back years and legacy time. We'll wait and see in five years' time how many native Tasmanians have taken up the game and are dominating the scene because that's going to be thoroughly exciting. Well done. We love it. All right, let's wrap it up. We are finishing up World Cup season uh, for right now. We're finishing up WNCL. Congratulations to the winners. But we are going to jump immediately into the Women's Premier League. We are literally going to start our Women's Premier League season this week with a bit of a preview. So hang around for that. You can find us on anywhere you download your podcasts we're on podbean we're spotify apple google podcasts you can find us there we do our social media on instagram uh it's feel good sports pod slide into our dms let us know what you think let us know if there are some sports you want us to have a look at or if you like think we're hilarious or deeply disagree with us that's fine too also good we'd love to hear from you until next time Later. later